What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And I'm giving you guys some belated Christmas presents because this week you're getting not one, not two, 
but three NXT recaps. Now, for those of you who may not know or remember, if you didn't check it out, I've been out of action for the last couple weeks. Um, I've been dealing with some, uh, you know, sickness issues. I'll go into more detail about that on a later episode of the Boochcast. But I decided, now that I have some energy left, that I would try to catch up on the NXT episodes that I missed. Now, NXT New Year's Evil is already out. I put that on its own separate track because New Year's Evil is a special event. So I wanted it on its own track. Some of you might already know that if you listen to that episode. But just in case some of you might have missed it, I put New Year's Evil on its own separate track. So if you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend that you turn this off and go listen to NXT New Year's Evil. Otherwise, these other two episodes aren't going to make sense to you in the way that I recap them because for this track right here, I'm only going to be doing last week's NXT and last night's NXT. So January 11th and January 18th will be on this track. So if you're looking for New Year's Evil, you have to go listen to the previous track that came out. So go listen to that first and then come back here. And on that note, we're going to kick things off with the January 11th episode of NXT. We kick things off with an in-ring segment with the new NXT champion, Braun Breaker. Breaker thanks Tommaso Ciampa and refers to him as an outstanding human being. Ciampa told him after the match that it's his time. Breaker says he's going to outwork everyone. He's going to prove why he earned this championship each and every week. As Breaker is leaving the ring, Santos Escobar and Legado Del Fantasma Tasma make their entrance. Escobar and Breaker have a brief stare down. And I find that interesting and I like this about NXT that now they'll actually have people making their entrances for their match while the person's in the ring doing a promo and then they have like a stare down and, and you kind of they kind of look each other in the eye and you don't know if there's going to be a fight if they're going to fight later on or if it's just a stare down for the sake of a stare down but either way I enjoy it because it gives you the opportunity to create storylines. I mean, granted, it is kind of a form of lazy booking, but it's still good to set something up and tell a story. I also like how uh, Breaker acknowledged that uh, Tommaso, after the match, also paid respects to uh, Braun Breaker's father, who was in the crowd watching him wrestle for the very first time. In fact, there's an NXT exclusive on YouTube, and I saw this, where uh, his father, the dog-faced retard, I mean, Gremlin, uh, Rick Steiner was in the audience and was actually cheering on his son. I think later on he got to go into the ring and raise his son's hand and everything. And I kind of like that. I like that on some level, I think the Steiners are getting back into the good graces of the WWE. I mean, obviously, uh, Scott Steiner, uh, Braun Breaker's uncle, Rick Steiner's brother, has had disparaging things to say about the WWE and his opinions from what I've seen the last time I've heard him talk about WWE they haven't changed but I've also heard from other sources that both Steiners are on good terms with WWE and Big Papa Pump's just kayfabing it now whether that's true or not I honestly don't know and I'm not gonna bother to ask Scott Steiner about it uh don't get me wrong I get along with Scott Steiner but on, on another level he does kind of scare me too because one minute he seems like he'll be nice to me the other minute he gets like upset about something and that's when I want to be as far away from him as possible because even though Steiner's a lot calmer and nicer of a guy uh, than he was 20 years ago, uh, 
he still is the type of guy that if you piss him off, he'll make you pay for it. So I try to be respectful around Scott, but also bear in mind that at any moment he could break me in half. But that would be intriguing to see, especially if the Steiners could be next in line to get a Hall of Fame induction. I would love to see the Steiner brothers go into the WWE Hall of Fame, and it would be intriguing to see if they would accept the Hall of Fame if for no other reason than to make sure Braun Breaker is still in the good graces of the WWE and still gets treated right. And it would be even more intriguing if Braun Breaker is the one to induct them when that day comes. And with Tommaso Ciampa saying that it's his time, I think it's safe to say that I think Ciampa's going to the main roster. In fact, recently on Twitter, uh, Ciampa was part of WWE main event, which is something they usually like tape beforehand, but I don't even know where they air that shit anymore. I don't know if it's on USA or maybe it's on the YouTube channel or whatever the fuck, but they have the WWE main event thing that they tape and apparently Tommaso was not only in a match, but they actually dyed his beard uh, like brown. Like basically instead of having the the gray-ish, the gray beard that he had for so long that made him look like an old man, he actually got it dyed for for, uh, WWE main event. So that tells me he could very well be on his way to the main roster and they're just waiting for the right time to debut him and bring him in. And I and I look forward to that because I think Ch- Ciampa is going to be a force to be reckoned with on the main roster. Some people are scared, and I'm sure he's scared too, that WWE is going to fuck it up. But I look at it like this. With Bruce Pritchard now in charge of NXT, I don't think you're safe either way. I don't. I think you might as well take the gamble on the main roster because I think if you stay on NXT, you gamble either way because Triple H isn't in charge of any of this anymore. And on that note, we move on to our first official match of the evening. The winner will leave with Electra Lopez, Santos Escobar with Legado del Fantasma versus Zion Quinn. This was a decent opening match. And by that, I mean just the match was decent. Good in-ring action. You know, Escobar and Zion Quinn definitely brought the fight to each other. Um, You could tell there was a lot of animosity between the two wrestlers. And I also love the fact that for the majority of the match, Electra Lopez was kind of in that upper deck area, you know, that little crow's nest area where sometimes wrestlers stay to cut promos. I like the fact that she spent most of the match up there because it made you believe that she was truly neutral and was going to go home with whoever won the match. But then, Lopez appears at ringside. Escobar gets distracted, so Quinn attacks him from behind. Lopez holds Quinn's hands and they share a moment. Quinn turns around. Lopez then kicks him in the nuts. Escobar hits the Phantom Driver and gets the one, two, three. So Santos Escobar wins the match. She goes off with Legado del Fantasma. And there is no more Electra and Zion Quinn. Not gonna lie, I fucking hated this finish. I did. I mean, I honestly felt like Electra Lopez was gonna start another chapter of her career. I would have loved to have seen the romance between her and Zion Quinn. There was so much good chemistry. In fact, she has better chemistry with Zion Quinn than she does with Santos Escobar or Raul Mendoza or Oscar Wilde. There's literally no reason for her to stay with Legado del Fantasma. The only reason I can think of to keep her in this faction is if you plan to have this faction hold all the gold. Unless Santos is going to become the NXT champion and then Electra becomes the women's champion and then Raul and Wild 
become the tag team champions. Then maybe I could see that this faction staying together. But if you have no plans to give them the gold, to have them dripping in gold, then you might as well let Electra Lopez leave this fucking faction. You might as well. What other purpose would she serve? It makes no sense. Her and Zion Quinn would be a much better story to tell. Santos doesn't need her. Legado del Fantasma does not need Electra Lopez. And that's not a knock on Electra Lopez. I think she's incredibly talented. But I don't think she needs to be in this faction. So, great match, shitty finish. That's all I gotta say about that. And then after that, we cut to the uh, photo shoot with Mandy Rose. Where she says, NXT 2.0 is all about Mandy. And make sure you get my good side. Every side is my good side. Blah, blah, blah. So, obviously, she's maintaining her heel status with the photo shoots at... As the women's champion. And it's working. She's doing a phenomenal job with that. So can't really complain too much. Because like I said. She has improved in the ring dramatically. And had a great showing at New Year's Evil. And on that note. We move on to the next match of the evening. If we even want to call it that. And that is Cameron Grimes. Versus Damon Kemp. And the answer is. Yeah I guess we can call this a match. But only because these guys. Really brought the fight to each other. You know Kemp got a single leg. Almost locked in an ankle lock. They were trading pin attempts. You know, Grimes did a dive off the top rope, but ate a belly-to-belly suplex. He got caught in midair. Boom, it was great. Malcolm Bivens walking down to the ring to watch the match. Grimes lands the cave-in. One, two, three. The winner of the match, Cameron Grimes. So, yes, we can definitely call this a match because Damon actually put up a fight. This was not a squash in any way, shape, or form. It was a very good match. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got some tag team action. The Dusty Cup play-in match. Malik Blade and Idris Enofe versus Joe Gacy and Harland. This was a decent tag team match. Malik Blade and Idris Enofe definitely showed they are a solid tag team. They were going into this with the attitude that no one thought they were a real tag team, but they were going to prove it. And they did. It was a great match. But what was interesting about it was that Harlan was beating on Blade in the corner. He ignored the referee's commands and got disqualified. So granted, Malik and Idris won via disqualification. But if Joe Gacy and Harlan were going to lose, that was the proper way to do it. Because Joe Gacy and Harlan should not be getting pinned anytime soon. And a part of me would have liked to have seen them in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. I thought they would have they would have put on a great performance. Maybe even could have won the cup. But I would be lying if I said I wasn't impressed with Malik and Idris. I honestly think these guys have a good shot at winning the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. I, I see a lot of good in them. I see a lot of potential. And it makes me hopeful for the Tag Team Division. It really does. And then, of course, after that, Walter announces that he is now full-time in NXT. And they're talking about their class, their elegance, and their sophistication. And the mat is sacred. I love the fact that Walter is now full-time in NXT. He's done everything you can do in the UK. Hell, he was the longest reigning UK champion. What else could he have done there? I prefer to see him in the States. I want to see what he can do here. I definitely see him becoming a future NXT champion. And we need star power. Because a lot of the stars are gone. Either from getting called up or getting released or whatever. So we need more stars. So I'm glad Walter is finally here. And I look forward to seeing what he can do. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. A crowbar on a pole match. Tony D'Angelo versus Pete Dunne. Loved this match. I loved it. These guys kicked ass. 
This was a fight. This was a struggle. This was a personal and violent match. I loved it. There was weapons galore all over the outside of the ring. These guys really were out to kill each other. And when they inevitably got the crowbar down... After D'Angelo was able to grab it, you know, you know, Dunn narrowly avoids getting his hand crushed with a crowbar, which I thought was great. He goes to hit him, he dodges it. He runs at it again, his hand's on the ring steps, he quickly moves it out of the way and dodged it. So it was great. It was amazing. And then, of course, uh, D'Angelo and Pete Dunn are struggling with the crowbar. Eventually, uh, he hits a net. D'Angelo hits a net breaker using the crowbar. Dunn kicks out, and then D'Angelo whacks Dunn's injured hand with the crowbar. Dunn fires up and unloads on D'Angelo with strike after strike, and then Dunn traps D'Angelo in an STF with the crowbar. I thought that was brilliant. Uh, D'Angelo escapes, goes for a chair. Dunn kicks the chair into D'Angelo's hand. D'Angelo whacks Dunn in the head with the crowbar. Dunn isn't moving. D'Angelo pins him one. Two, three, the winner of the match, Tony D'Angelo. And with all due respect to Pete Dunne, Tony deserved this win more. Because Pete Dunne is a star in NXT. Tony D'Angelo needs the rub. He needs the push more. In fact, if I may be so bold to say, I think Pete Dunne also needs to get called up to the main roster. Because if you're not going to put the NXT title on him, there's no reason to keep him here. He's already a former UK champion, and he held the tag team titles with Matt Riddle. So unless you're going to make him the North American champion or the NXT champion, there's no reason to keep him here anymore. You might as well let him go, take him on the main roster and let him sink or swim up there but either way Tony D'Angelo needs the push more especially since Tony D'Angelo is definitely going to be a future star this guy is incredible he has a very entertaining gimmick and I'm not just saying that because he's Italian I'm saying it because it's the fucking truth and on that note we cut to MSK who's backstage and they're looking at the uh, Dusty Rhodes Cup that they won last year. Still can't believe they won that shit last year. And they're talking about how they're going to win it again, how excited they are. And then Dakota Kai comes out and stares at it because her and Raquel Gonzalez won the, the cup last year for the women's side. And that's when Dakota looks at them and says, nothing divides friendship more than success. Because eventually Raquel Gonzalez would go on to win the NXT women's title. She'd run through everybody, practically everybody. And then Dakota Kai would turn on her out of jealousy and would want the women's championship. Unfortunately, she didn't win it, which I thought was a crock of shit, but that's another story for another day. So, overall, not an interesting segment because I don't see MSK breaking up. I don't see one of them having success more than the other. I think they're a dumbass tag team, and they're going to stay a dumbass tag team because in a single standpoint, they wouldn't fucking survive. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got some six women tag team action. Wendy Chu, Persia Parada, and Indy Hartwell versus Amari Miller, Casey Cantanzaro, and Caden Carter. Okay, this was a very entertaining match. Amari Miller definitely showcased her skills in this match. Of course, she went for a dive out of the ring, and, you know, Persia Parada was there to catch her, so that was the only part I didn't like. But other than that, Amari Miller did pretty damn good in this match. But the person who stood out the most was Wendy Chu. Because Wendy basically has a gimmick of, you know, a slumber party kind of girl. She basically always has a pillow, and she's always in her pajamas. And I think sometimes she even has a teddy bear with her, or whatever, but... 
at first her gimmick was fucking goofy, you know, and everybody's looking at her like she's a joke and whatever. She's also wearing slippers in the ring, which I thought was fucking stupid. But then as soon as she gets tagged into the match, she yawns to avoid a clothesline, which I can't help but think that was awesome. And then she just beats the shit out of everybody. She's suplexing everyone. She's getting offense in. She's kicking ass. And here's the thing. That's the beauty of having a comedic gimmick. As long as you can deliver in the ring when it's go time, it doesn't matter how stupid your gimmick is. A comedy gimmick is only hurtful if you can't work in the ring. Simple as that. If you're a shitty worker with a comedic gimmick, it's going to kill your career. But if you got a comedic gimmick, but you can deliver in the ring, your gimmick has staying power. Now, would it limit you to becoming a main eventer? Probably, but you'll definitely at least make the mid card. So, Wendy Chu, I loved her. I thought she did fantastic. I was very impressed. And I look forward to seeing more from her in the coming weeks. And then, of course, Parada lands a sit-out at five. Hartwell hits pretty savage. Gets the one, two, three. The winners of the match, Wendy Chu, Persia Parada, and Indy Hartwell. And I'm glad that Indy got the pin. Because after the way they've been booking her for the last several weeks, or pretty much ever since she got married to Dexter Loomis, she needed to get a win. She needed to get a pinfall victory. She needed to show that being married to Dexter Loomis isn't holding back her success. Or isn't going to cause a breakup between her and Persia Parada. Because I don't see either one of them having a good singles career at this current point in time. Maybe someday down the road, but not now. So I'm glad Indy got the win. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening if we even want to call it that, Solo Sequoia versus Boa. Now, with all due respect to the two guys involved, I'm not calling this a match, simply because it got thrown out very quickly. You know, Sequoia takes Boa down, lands a fury of punches, Boa lands a for a near fall, the fight spills outside of the ring, and they're both counted out, and it becomes a double count out, which is basically what we're stuck with here. And then, of course, backstage, they're still fighting. Boa throws a fireball at Sequoia. When the camera pans up, Boa's face is painted. So that's pretty much how that whole thing ends, and uh, the fireball, I guess, is pretty cool. I like the way it was timed. It was much better than the fireballs I've seen in the past. And it was nice to see fire done right after the botched table incident in AEW. So uh, it was entertaining, but not really a great match. But it definitely left things open to drag on the rivalry. So because it was on a regular episode of NXT, I can ignore the fact that it's a double count out. And then, of course, before we saw the backstage area, uh, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams arrive at the arena. And then we cut to the backstage area, another back area of the backstage with Kaylee Ray, who basically destroys the photo set where Mandy Rose was having her photo shoot. She takes a baseball and breaks the lights, breaks the camera, breaks the, you know, the sheet, the little cover sheet that they use for the background. Suffice to say, Kaylee Ray was pissed off that Mandy Rose is here doing photo shoots and isn't here defending her title. Which a lot of us can agree that, yeah, she needs to be defending her title. But granted, she did defend it at New Year's Evil, so can't be too upset. And on that note, we move on to the next moment here. We have an in-ring segment with the NXT North American champion Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Williams says when Hayes has gold, they both have gold. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. Shaq and Kobe, or Trick Williams and Big Booty Women. Hayes wants to have a moment of silence for Roderick Strong's Cruiserweight Championship reign. Hayes pours one out for Strong and notes while this is around his waist, it is the A Championship. That's what it is and what it forever will be. 
While Hayes and Williams are celebrating, AJ Styles makes his entrance for his match. Hayes and Williams eyeball Styles as he walks past them. Then we go backstage where Cameron Grimes has Hayes car keys as they're leaving. Grimes says he wants the North American Championship. Okay, first of all, let me just say stellar promo from Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Now, I will say I don't like the fact that he used the comparison Kobe and Shaq. Because, yeah, at one point, Shaq and Kobe were a solid, you know, team together when when Shaq played for the Lakers. But when he later got traded to the Celtics, him and Kobe stopped being friends. Shaq and Kobe eventually became rivals, talked shit about each other. I don't know if, if they became friends or if they were able to patch things up before Kobe passed. But the last time I saw them on court together, they weren't friends. They didn't go together very well. The proper comparison, in my opinion, would have been Jordan and Pippen. Because Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen always were friends. I can't think of a single moment when they weren't friends. So instead of Kobe and Shaq, it should have been Jordan and Pippen. But of course, Carmelo Hayes' part, when he shoots, he don't miss. His promo was phenomenal. Loved every bit of it. He is every bit a champion. Everything about this man screams champion. Everything about him screams greatness. I like the fact that Cameron Grimes is going for the North American Championship. You know, it's going to be a good test for uh, Carmelo Hayes. And I also like the fact that he did the whole to the moon and then flicked the keys at him and said don't miss and then walked away he's like yeah i got the keys to your car but um i'm not gonna steal it from you because i don't care about this stuff anymore now i want championship gold and this is his year 2020 to the moon i hope he says that more throughout this year because it's a good little little thing for him And on that note, we're going to move on to the main event of the evening. AJ Styles versus Grayson Waller. This was once again a solid main event. It was. These guys put on a great wrestling clinic. AJ Styles showing that he can have a great match with anybody, which is what always made him great. Uh, Waller showing that he's not a slouch in the ring, even though he has the arrogance and everybody hates him and he's a great heel. But he shows that when it comes time to wrestle, he can fucking go with the best of them. And I also want to say that his rolling stunner, this is the first time I've seen an opponent sell it properly. Like Walt, like AJ Styles went for the phenomenal forearm. Waller slid out of the ring. AJ landed on his feet, tried to get did the roll through, tried to get his barons on the ropes, and then as he turned around, that's when Waller was already in the ring and boom, hit him with the stunner. It was timed perfectly and it looked believable. That's how you're supposed to sell that move. You time it to where by the time you turn around, he's already rolled into the ring and it catches you off guard with the stunner. That's how you do that fucking move. And I loved it. And that's a veteran like AJ Styles who knows how to fucking work is going to do that very well. Because you got a lot of green motherfuckers on NXT, they're fucking it up a lot, Odyssey Jones. But Styles sold that perfectly. And then he kicked out. Then he hits a brain buster and another phenomenal forearm. One, two, three. The winner of the match, AJ 
Styles. Now, I'm not going to lie. I was shocked that AJ won this match. I honestly thought they were going to give the win to Grayson Waller. And if this was on a pay-per-view, Grayson Waller probably would have won. But I guess since AJ Styles got decimated by Omos, he needed to get another win. Grayson Waller is very talented. He can live to get over another day. And he showcased how good he is. AJ, he needed the win to keep his momentum going, especially if there's plans to put him in the Royal Rumble and have him win the Royal Rumble match. He did talk about entering the Royal Rumble and wanting to headline WrestleMania, which I have no objections to AJ Styles headlining WrestleMania. But if he's going to the main event, he needs to go for the Universal Championship and face either Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins. Because we've already seen AJ versus Brock Lesnar. We don't need to see that again. And, you know, Styles and Lashley, yeah, that might be a good match. But AJ's already been the WWE Champion. Let's see him get the Universal title. That's where I think he needs to be. All the titles he's never held are on SmackDown. So AJ, in my opinion, needs to go to SmackDown. That's where he belongs. And then, of course, after the match, Styles tells Waller that, you know, he's good, but he's not phenomenal, and that he has a friend he wants to introduce him to, and then LA Knight's music hits, Waller is terrified, Knight hits the ring, and beats the hell out of Grayson Waller. I mean, throws him over the announce table, beats him up in the ring, hits a couple moves, eventually knocks Grayson Waller out of the ring, daring him to come after him. AJ Styles eventually kind of pulls LA Knight back in, like, you know, let it go, let it go. They kind of stare each other down, then they high-five and bro-hug, because obviously Styles and LA Knight know each other from TNA, back when he was Eli Drake. So, it would make sense that he would say they were friends, because they came up in TNA. Now, obviously, you know, Eli Drake didn't make it to TNA until quite a few years after AJ Styles had already been there. Actually, he was on his way in right around the time AJ was on his way out the door, assuming he wasn't already out the door by then. Because I know that Eli Drake was in TNA right around the time Drew McIntyre was in TNA. So LA Knight, when he gets called to the main roster, it'll be intriguing to see what happens when him and Drew McIntyre are face-to-face. But either way, great main event, great closeout. Love seeing the return of LA Knight. Love the fact he's getting his revenge on Grayson Waller. And AJ Styles showing that he is still phenomenal. And he can have a great match with anybody. All right, and that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this recap of the January 11th episode of NXT. I'm going to take a short break here, and when I come back, we'll have your recap of NXT January 18th here on the Boochcast. So you guys sit tight. I shall return right after this. For 15 years, I've been obsessed to find out what was going on inside of him.
Welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, we played the song Keep Slaying Teens in the Dark, which is the latest song that came out by the Merkins. And by latest, I mean the latest Slash Street Boys. Because I mentioned before, they have their own like solo single songs they do with uh, the different Slash Street Boys members. But once a year around Halloween, they come together to do a Slash Street Boys video. And this one was Keep Slaying Teens in the Dark, which was basically a parody of the Backstreet Boys song, Quit Playing Games With My Heart. And I thought this was very well done, very entertaining. And I also found it interesting because it's the first time in a Slash Street Boys song that Jason Voorhees didn't sing first. They put him as like the third guy towards the end. I thought that was very cool and very innovative. I thought the song was very well done. And every year the Merkins, they impress me with their songs. So I'm glad I got the chance to bring that song out here for this commercial break. And that was the Merkins with Keep Slaying Teens in the Dark here on the Boochcast. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to commence with the recap of NX. T for January 18th. This, of course, is the NXT episode that took place last night at the time you're listening to this. And we kick things off with the return, official return, of L.A. Knight. Because whose game is it? It's L.A. Knight's game. Yeah. And, of course, he comes down, comes down, rolling around in this uh, nice convertible, gets out, asks everybody if they've seen Grayson Waller. He's, um, you know, being cool to everybody because L.A. Knight's a baby face now. You know, he goes and sees um, Briggs and Jensen backstage and wishes them good luck in the Dusty Cup as he's looking for Grayson Waller and then finally goes out to the ring and he basically calls him out to the ring starts talking a bunch of trash basically talking about how he couldn't get the job done he tried to take him out he failed then he said that he was mad that this woman was more interested in him than Grayson Waller and that's because she knew he couldn't get the job done and then Grayson Waller comes out and gives L.A. Knight a restraining order. And basically says, L.A. Knight cannot come within 50 feet of Grayson Waller. 
And if he does, he'll be arrested. Knight says Waller may have this restraining order on him, but that doesn't apply to this guy. And out comes Dexter Loomis. Loomis, once again, crawls out from under the ring, appears behind Waller, and almost traps him in the silencer. And then Ellen Knight exclaims that Waller has two options. He can lift the restraining order and face him in the ring, or you can face Dexter Loomis. And then it goes to commercial break while we wait for Grayson Waller's decision. Now, the only positive thing I would say about L.A. Knight and this whole restraining order is if they're planning on dragging this out until the next NXT pay-per-view. Now, we just got done with New Year's Evil about two weeks ago. So I have no idea when the next uh, pay-per-view is, because they're not calling it takeovers anymore. So... I guess we're going to have to wait and see if they announce one coming up anytime soon. Now, I know the Royal Rumble's coming up. That's usually when a pay-per-view would take place. But as I mentioned before, we just had New Year's Evil. So I don't know if in February there's going to be one or if there's going to be one around WrestleMania time. So the only thing I can possibly think of right now is they're using this restraining order to drag this out as much as they can. Now, with this restraining order, you can keep this storyline going. But if there's no takeover taking place anytime soon or pay-per-view, then this is really a fucking waste because we know at some point we're going to see L.A. Knight versus Grayson Waller. And L.A. Knight damn well better win because it's blatantly obvious that L.A. Knight is out for revenge because he got taken out in the parking lot. He made his return last week when he helped out AJ Styles towards the end of the night. You know, obviously he didn't interfere in the match, but AJ brought him out to get his revenge after he won, which I preferred that over interference. But either way, um, I like the fact that L.A. Knight is back, and I'm intrigued to see how they drag out this restraining order because obviously they didn't lift the restraining order because during the commercial break, Grayson Waller chose to face Dexter Loomis. So we get our first official match of the evening, Dexter Loomis versus Grayson Waller. This was a very good match. I loved it. I thought Dexter Loomis was amazing in this match. I think his, uh, I love his transition moves from, you know, a slam to an elbow drop, or actually did a, he did a kip up and then an elbow drop. I thought it was brilliant. Loved every second of it. Uh, I love the fact that he tried to lock in the silencer, but Waller would roll out of the ring. Very genius on his part. Then all of a sudden, someone attacks Loomis and then rolls him back into the ring. This random dude out of nowhere, and then Waller lands his rolling stunner for the win. And again, it was sold properly because he hit it right when you know Dexter Loomis was being thrown back in the ring. So as he's trying to get up to get his bearings, boom, stunner. Once again, executed properly. And then there was the one, two, three, the winner of the match, Grayson Waller. So if Grayson is going to win, he should have outside interference. Now, obviously, Grayson Waller has this new insurance policy, and I'm hoping next week we're going to find out who this insurance policy is and why he's here. Because I don't even know this guy. I didn't even know they hired somebody like this. He looks like one of those um, Indian tag team guys that I think Malcolm Bivens was managing in the beginning or somebody was managing them in the beginning and it was this weird like Indian tag team I feel like that's who they are 
He's one of the guys from that team. And on that note, we get a look now at the men's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic bracket because the tournament starts. So now here's what we got in the brackets. We got MSK versus Jacket Time, which the only thing I like about that match is that it guarantees one of these fucking joke, disgraceful tag teams will be out of here. We got Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen versus the Creed Brothers. I love that. That's going to be a hell of a match. We got the... We got Malik Blade and Idris Anofe versus Legado del Fantasma. And then we got the Grizzled Young Veterans versus Andre Chase and Brody Haywood, I think is his name. I can't really tell. It's the way this tweet's coming out. It looks like it's hard to make out the guy's name. No, it's Bodie, not Brody. All right, there we go. So this is going to be an intriguing Dusty Rhodes tag team classic. And obviously, Bodie's the guy who got the full scholarship. So I like the fact that Andre Chase brought him with him into the tag team classic. And I'm intrigued to see who's going to win this. Like I said, the, the two guys that I thought could win this... Um, are facing each other, and that's Brooks and Jensen versus the Cree brothers. But I also wouldn't mind Malik and Idris or the Grizzled Young Veterans. I definitely don't want MSK or Jacket Time. Legato, eh, it would be okay, but not really excited about it. And I don't think Andre and Bodie should win because they're I don't think they're a real tag team. I think they were just thrown together for the classic. And then, of course, we cut to the backstage area with Imperium. Walter says it's time to make everyone in WWE understand what Imperium stands for and if the mat is sacred and everything else. And Walter's we mentioned before, he's now in NXT full-time. So now he is ready to whoop some ass. And, of course, he's in the main event against um, Roderick Strong because uh, Malcolm Bibbins cut a promo on, uh, you know, the fact they were going to win the Dusty Rhodes Classic with the Creed brothers and they were going to take down Imperium. And then Walter picked up Malcolm and shoved him against the wall because they were about to call Imperium bitches. But then Roderick Strong said, put him down. And then he said he's not scared of Walter. He's like, you should be. And then... That promote provoke this match. And then we cut to the next match of the evening. Um, the first round of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. We got the Cree Brothers with Malcolm Bivens versus Briggs and Jensen. This was a great, amazing match. This was a hard-hitting, knock-down, drag-em-out brawl. It was the first time I had seen the Cree Brothers on defense in a match. Like, Briggs and Jensen brought the fight. But once the Cree Brothers got the upper hand, and it was all Creed Brothers from that moment on. But you can't take nothing away from Briggs and Jensen. They were fucking amazing in this match. Like, it was a fight. And you felt it. Just two brawlers brawling. It was it was just great to see. In an era of wrestling where everybody's doing the acrobatic bullshit, to see two guys, to see two four men just kind of, you know, Throwing fists and whooping ass slams. It was great. It was great wrestling. It was great working. And it showed that that style of wrestling is better to watch than the acrobats. And in the end, Julius and Brutus hit a combo modified wasteland into a basement lariat for the win. The one, two, three. The winners of the match, the Kree brothers. So the Kree brothers are now going to advance to the next round, and they will face the winners of the Grizzled Young Veterans and Andre Chase and Bodie Hayward. So the winners of that match will face the Kree brothers in the semifinals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. And on that note, we move 
move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Dante Chen versus Guru Raj. Now, the answer is no. We're not going to call this a match because these guys had a fairly decent fight, but then as soon as they got out of the ring, uh, Chen sent Raj out of the ring. Chen landed a dive because why not? You know, I just came back from an injury. What do I want to do? Dive. It's fucking stupid sometimes. And then, all of a sudden, Duke Hudson hops the barricade, attacks both men, and ends in no contest. And why he chose to do that, I have no fucking idea. I thought it was stupid. I thought it made no sense. And Duke Hudson's got a bit of a buzz cut going on on the top of his head. Which, to me, defeats the whole purpose of the hair versus hair match. If the loser's supposed to have his head shaved bald, I want to see the motherfucker bald every goddamn week that he's out there. And if he does grow hair back eventually, it's months from now is when I want to see hair back on his head. It's like Vince McMahon when he was bald, when he shaved his head bald after losing the Battle of the Billionaires. Eventually, his hair grew back and he got back and it came back to the ring. But Vince McMahon's not a wrestler, so at some point, he needed to grow his hair back. There's no reason for Duke Hudson to grow his hair back. Like, why even have a hair versus hair match if we're only going to see him bald like one or two fucking times? It's stupid. I want to see a bald Duke Hudson. I want him bald every week. And if he does grow his hair back, it's months or a year from now. Then he can put some hair back on his head. Till then, I want to see a bald Duke Hudson every time he steps out to that goddamn ring. Otherwise, don't book a hair versus hair match. Then, we cut to the backstage area where Joe Gacy tells Harlan he is disappointed they aren't in the Dusty Classic. Gacy isn't mad at Harlan, though, which doesn't make sense. He got him disqualified. Odyssey Jones is standing by with a crutch. Jones injured his knee during training. Jones tells Gacy he's full of crap. Gacy tells Jones he appreciates his perspective and opens the door for him. Casey notes they won't let negativity spread like wildfire. So obviously, Gacy's trying to justify eventually wanting to beat up Odyssey Jones or start a rivalry with Odyssey Jones. So, but either way, it's great. But the fact that he injured his knee training, that's either a kayfabe injury or a dumbass injury. Like, what did you do in training that got you hurt? And why aren't you being smarter with your training? That's my question. But anyway, I thought this whole segment was pointless. I mean, it eventually led to something later, but at the time, I thought it was pointless. Next, we see Braun Breaker being interviewed, knowing he has a target on his back now that he's the NXT champion. And eventually, here comes Santos Escobar with Electra Lopez. And he says, NXT 2.0 is going to look a lot better with that championship around my waist. So now we know Santos Escobar wants to become the NXT champion. So there's a good chance that the next big NXT event, we're going to see those two battle for the NXT championship. And it's going to be intriguing to see. Because like I said, the only logical reason for Electra Lopez to still be with this dumbass is if you're going to make everyone in Legado del Fantasma a champion at the same time. If you're not, she should have went with Zion Quinn. But anyway, I am intrigued to see a match between Braun Breaker and Santos Escobar because Santos is a great wrestler. So a match between these two will definitely be money. And on that note, we cut to an in-ring segment. We got Tony D'Angelo, who's in the ring with a casket and a memorial photo of Pete Dunn, because he says basically he's having a eulogy. D'Angelo gives Dunn a eulogy. D'Angelo says it's going to be a closed casket affair since he caved Dunn's head in with the crowbar. D'Angelo is ready to move on to bigger and better things. D'Angelo wants the North American Championship. Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams show up. Trick says he thought they were all boys. And D'Angelo's like, no, 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 no. We weren't boys. Were we teammates? Sure. 
But boys, not at all. Hayes says when he's done with D'Angelo, it's going to be a closed casket too. Cameron Grimes walks down to the ring and tells D'Angelo he's going to have to wait at the back of the line. Hayes tells D'Angelo and Grimes to fight it out, and the winner can get a shot at the A-Champ. So D'Angelo tries to attack Grimes, but Grimes ends up smashing the framed picture of Dunn over his head. Okay, since we've got a eulogy for Pete Dunn, I think at this point, Pete Dunn needs to go to the main roster. He's done in NXT. I don't see them putting any other belts on him anytime soon, so therefore, send him to the main roster. That being said, they've now going to book Tony D'Angelo versus Cameron Grimes for next week's NXT. The winner will face... Carmelo Hayes. The, th- the funny thing is, I could see either one of these guys as the NXT North American champion. Don't get me wrong, I love Carmelo Hayes. But Tony D'Angelo, I'm a big fan of his. And Cameron Grimes is obviously deserving of some championship gold. So, either one of these guys could win it. This is just a match I want to see. I'm, I'm more in a fan perspective than anything else. So, that's the one match I'll be watching as a fan. Obviously, I'll be analyzing it and saying if it's a good or bad match. But, either one of these guys could be the North American champion. So, I'm not really going to choose. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We even want to call it that. We have Kaylee Ray versus Ivy Nile with Malcolm Bivens. Now, the answer is yes. We can call this a match. Because these two women put up one hell of a fight, and I was shocked when I saw Ivy Nile standing in that ring. Because usually in situations like this, when somebody gets an entrance and another person's already in the ring, it usually means it's going to be a squash match as a way to put the top star over. But when I saw Ivy Nile in that ring, I'm thinking one of two things. Either A, this is going to be a kick-ass match, or B, Ivy Nile is about to get fed to Kaylee Ray, and they're going to turn Ivy Nile into a jobber. Thank God that wasn't the case. Thank God it was the first one, and we had a hell of a great fucking match. Now, of course, the match ended, you know, the right way, because Ivy Nile did get the win, but Kaylee Ray lost because of a distraction from Mandy Rose, who distracted Kaylee Ray as she was setting up the KLR bomb. And then Mandy Rose provided the distraction. Ivy Nile rolled her up, got the one, two, three. Ivy Nile wins the match. After the match, all of Toxic Attraction hits the ring to attack Kaylee Ray, and then Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada make the save. And then we find out that next week on NXT will be a six-woman tag match with Toxic Attraction against Indy Hartwell, Persia Parada, and Kaylee Ray. And I see these three women being the next challengers to those championships. But I also think if Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada get a title shot at the tag team titles, they need to win. Whether or not Kaylee Ray is the one to beat Mandy Rose, I don't know. But I do know that Indy and Persia need to beat Gigi and JC. That needs to happen. And then we cut to the backstage area where we see Harlan has destroyed Odyssey Jones with Joe Gacy watching in improvement as, you know, and of course, Odyssey's lying on the ground. Harlan is getting kicked out of the locker room. And I like that. I like that that we saw a beat down and there was no like, who attacked him? Who's the mystery person? Nope, the person's standing right there because he don't give a fuck. So obviously, they're going to justify this by saying that, you know, Odyssey Jones is full of hate and negativity and it can't spread like wildfire. So we took him out. And obviously going to build a storyline between Harlan and Odyssey Jones. Because I don't see Joe Gacy getting in the ring with Odyssey. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. The next match 
Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, Legato Del Fantasma versus Idris Anofe and Malik Blade. This was a decent match. I wasn't all that excited, mostly because I honestly thought Legato was going to win. So it kind of took the wind out of my sails to watch the match. But then when Escobar tried to interject himself into the match, and then Braun Breaker ran down and pulled Escobar off the apron, and then he hits his head on the apron, and then Braun Breaker's dragging him to the back, like carrying him to the back. And then Blade rolls up wild for the one, two, three, and Idris Hanofe and Malik Blade win the match. I was like, holy shit. It was a shocker, and it was awesome. Because I love the fact that they advanced. Because I'm not, as you mentioned before, Legato Del Fantasma, I'm slowly no longer becoming a fan. And I'm glad they're moving on to the semifinals, uh, Malik and Idris. And they'll be facing either MSK or Jacket Time. And they damn well better win that match too. I want to see Malik and Idris in the finals. That's what I want to see. I don't don't necessarily know if they're going to win. And depending on who they face, I may not want them to win. But I definitely want to see them make it to the finals. And they did a hell of a job in this match. So it was great. It was a shocking ending. Like I said, decent match, shocking ending. It was amazing. It made me excited for the next round of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. And then we cut to the backstage area with Solo Sequoia, who wants to face Boa next week on NXT. And the way he talked about it, he made it sound like he wanted it to be like a no-holds-barred match or a Falls Count Anywhere match and he shows the burnt mark on the side of his face which I thought was great and it definitely was a compelling promo and showing he wants a fight. So if they do have a match next week it needs to be No Holds Barred or Falls Count Anywhere or both because obviously this is not a match that can be contained inside a ring. If it could, there wouldn't have been a double count out. That needs to lead to a no holds barred match or a false count anywhere match. Usually it leads to false count anywhere. So they haven't exactly put a stipulation on this or verify whether or not this match is even going to happen. But if it does, it needs to be a false count anywhere match. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. If we want to call it that. We have Dakota Kai versus Ulisa Leon. And I don't really think we can call this a match. I mean, there was barely any action. It was boring as fuck. And Kai pinned Leon after the GTK. So Dakota Kai ended up winning the match. It was it was quick. It was a squash. It was pointless. So then we cut to the backstage area with Cora Jade, who tries to convince Raquel Gonzalez to be her partner in the Dusty Classic. Gonzalez, Gonzalez says it's Jade's fault she isn't the NXT Women's Champion. Gonzalez says thanks, but no thanks, and walks away. Jade says she'll convince her. Now, at this point, neither one of these women is going to become the Women's Champion anytime soon. They just lost. The way I see it, they should go for the tag team titles. I think it'd be intriguing to see. I also think Cora J would have to prove that she can be trustworthy since Gonzalez won last year's Dusty Cup with Dakota and Dakota ended up turning on her eventually. So hopefully we can see Gonzalez and Jade in the match because there's not a lot of women's tag teams. So we need to get a solid bracket going and I feel like Gonzalez and Cora would make a great team. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area where Blade and Anofi are celebrating. Breaker walks in and they dap him up. Breaker says they won that match on their own and wishes them good luck in the Dusty Classic. So I like seeing Braun Breaker as a babyface. He's doing a hell of a great job. And just seeing that brief moment there. And he was saying, hey, you guys won that match. All I did was take care of Santos. 
So you did this on your own. I like that. He's coaching people up. He's showing that he can be a locker room leader. And I like that. It's like, I'm the NXT champion. There's responsibilities that come with this. And I'm going to conduct myself as a champion. And so far, he is doing that. He's taking on all challengers. He's showing respect to the former champion which he did with Tommaso, and he's now acting like a locker room leader and setting things right. I love it. Great storytelling. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening, Walter versus Roderick Strong with Malcolm Bivens. This was, for the third week in a row, a solid main event. Solid. This main event was fucking phenomenal. Walter and Roderick Strong brought the fight to each other like I never seen them bring the fight to others before. Walter establishing the fact that he is a badass motherfucker and you don't want to piss him off. But Roderick Strong showing he's a leader, showing he's a badass, and that he can hang in the ring with the best of them. Because he took the best of what Walter had and at sometimes even had Walter on the ropes. But in the end, Walter landed a Vicious powerbomb for the win, and the winner of the match was Walter. Although after the match, Walter grabs the mic and says the winner of this match is Gunther, which I have no idea what the fuck that means. I don't know if that's a British term or something random. I don't know. But then after that, uh, Imperium came out and started beating down on Roger Strong, and then that led the Diamond Mine to come out, and like the Creed Bros to come out and take out Imperium, and then a big three-on-three fight broke out, and that ended NXT. But now I'm pretty sure this is gonna lead to some type of of Imperium Diamond Mine feud that's going to go on for a while. And I'm intrigued to see if this is going to affect the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic in any way. Because I've had a feeling the Creed Bros are going to win it all. But this could be an inkling that they could. And use that as an excuse to go after the Tag Team titles since Imperium has them. And later beat Imperium and the Creed Brothers become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. This can be intriguing. Now obviously, Roderick Strong is no longer the Cruiserweight Champion. Plus, Walter can't qualify for the Cruiserweight title anyway. But had Roderick Strong beaten Carmelo Hayes and won the North American title, that could have made this an even more compelling story because then Walter might buy for the NXT North American Championship. So I'm not going to lie. I kind of wish now that Roderick Strong had beaten Carmelo Hayes because it could have made this storyline so much better and it would have been more solid. But that main event was stellar. I give it five stars. It was stellar. Definitely two badasses bringing the fight to each other. I couldn't have asked for a better main event. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will include the recap of NXT for January 18th. And that will officially wrap up this week's episode of the Boochcast. So I thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there. Or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Also, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Type in theboochcast in the space bar. You'll be able to find us. Check out our Dark Side of the Ring videos, our archived watch parties, our D&D one-shot, funny skits, holiday videos. 
hit that subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when we're going to have new content coming your way, which of course will feature new episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Rain that are coming soon. Some we still have to record, others I still have to edit, but we will be bringing them out to you guys in a timely manner. Also, make sure you guys follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next one is still scheduled for next Saturday, January 29th for the WWE Royal Rumble. Um, as of right now, I am recovering from a sickness, so I am hoping to be together with the team. Worst case scenario, I'm by myself, but I'm hoping to have the team together, provided I get a negative test and everything's okay. But either way, we will be going live at 8 p.m. for the Royal Rumble. Uh, we'll have a bootleg link that you can check out. It'll be on our Twitter page at 7 p.m., about an hour before the show starts. And we'll probably be going live like 10 to 15 minutes beforehand to give everybody time to kind of jump in and join us for the Royal Rumble. Also, we got our big D&D show coming to the Twitch channel later this year. Right now, we're just trying to figure out all the kinks, work everything out, get everybody on the same page. It's been difficult lately, but we're trying to make that happen. Also, we got some gaming coming your way on the Twitch channel. That'll be hosted by Elvis Delinsky. So be on the lookout for that coming in 2022 to the Twitch channel as well. So make sure you're following us on Twitch so you know when we're going live. And of course, be sure to support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. There are three levels you can donate at, all with prizes coming soon. The first level you can donate at is for a mere 99 cents per month. Now, this level is for people who want to contribute to the show but don't have a lot of money to contribute because you got a lot of bills to pay or a family to support. Because the last thing we would ever ask anyone to do is sacrifice a payment to help out the Boochcast. You know, we don't want people to be, you know, wear, worn down or pressured. If you got bills to pay and you got a family to support, by all means, keep doing that. You can listen to the show for free. But if you want to donate, despite all that, that, the 99 cents level is for you. It's just 99 cents. Barely a lot of money. Just every, But every little bit helps us, but it won't hurt your wallet at all. The second level you can donate at, if you want to go a little higher, is for $4.99 per month. That's right. The same amount of money we would pay for a Peacock subscription. Obviously, a lot of us out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than the Peacock anyway. And we got the third level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. That's right. Same amount of money we would pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. I know ever since I sold it to the Peacock, we're not able to do that anymore. You got nowhere to put that $9.99. So take that $9.99, bring it over to us. We got better content than the network. And unlike the WWE, we actually care about our fans and we strive to give the people what they want. Now you have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. Now, just so you know, if you consent to giving us a monthly donation, you agree that if you don't cancel before the end of the first month, you will be billed every month until you cancel. Now, the good news is you can cancel at any time. The bad news is you will not get a refund if you cancel. So you won't get your money back. You'll just stop giving money every month should you decide to do that. 
Now, on Anchor, you can get full terms and instructions on how to cancel, and also you can get more information on how they process your personal data. I can tell you right off the bat, we don't get your personal data, nor do we want your personal data. Trust me, the only money we want from you is the money you're willing to donate to us. We have no interest in hacking your personal data. We would never do that to our fans. At best, we might get your first and last name, and if we get and if we do get that, the only thing we're going to do with it is give you a shout out here on the boot cast to thank you for donating to us and being a supporter that's all you have to worry about and the best part is you know exactly where your money's going because all the money we raise through anchor goes back into the show that's right we use that money to upgrade our equipment bring in bigger name guests pay our bills and take care of all the guys who work hard on and off the air to make the booch cast a success so if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they deserve to be paid for their hard work anchor.fm slash the boochcast slash support is how you make that happen and then if there is any money left over after all of that we use the rest of the money to feed zach ramen noodles and try to get him laid and until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.